0: Chaos.
1: Woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation. Pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.
0: Hello everyone, how you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I'm always so excited with the guest I bring on and this guest today is I'm so excited because it's really a topic that, if I'm going to be really transparent, I, I don't know as much about it as maybe I like. I sometimes like to think I do, and I know how important it is being in education, as well as being a, a citizen of society, as well as being a parent of children uh, growing and and hopefully thriving um, in this world in this day and age. And and so I'm so excited for this guest because she brings just so many important perspectives and I think for a lot of us listening, we probably don't think about these topics as much as we think we should. And so I'm really, really, really excited about this because I think there's there's layers that hit upon education. But more importantly, what does it mean for us as to be positive contributing humans of society and, and some things to think about so i'm here today with my guest uh lydia so lydia thank you for for making time to, to to join me on this show you are one crazy crazy busy person um so with time zones and everything else we've made this work so why don't we start off and let everybody know who are you what do you do and what in the world do you got going on
1: yeah so i'm uh so thank you for having me i'm a um Privacy officer in a big pharmaceutical company, but I do not let that define me. Uh, I have a lot of um, interests. My job is my job, but, uh, I'm a privacy officer by passion, let's put it this way, because I think it's really a very important uh, field. It's growing. I think privacy gets more and more traction also. More and more people care about it. I hope more and more people also do not care about it. Well, we need to say that very, very honestly. Um, If you are surrounded only by like-minded people, you have the impression that everybody cares about this, and then you realize, wow, there's a whole lot of people who do not. And that's why I try to raise awareness on all of these issues, because I find that... uh, uh, well, I have to say it, our privacy is being violated on a daily basis um, in ways that we you know, we don't think about, then we don't realize what's happening. And I do think it's important to call everybody's attention to certain things that are going on, not just because Taylor Swift is having issues. Currently. <laughs> I think that also needs to be said. And um, yeah, so that's why I do what I do. I'm um, just maybe a little bit about my background. Yeah. I, I've spent more than a decade now in highly regulated industries, not just as a privacy officer, but also doing a lot of operational work, which is why I've seen the facades and what's going on behind the facades. I went to law school, but I actually specialize in ethics um, a long time ago already in technology ethics and bioethics. Um, which was at the time quite unusual. And now all of a sudden, all of my old classmates reach out to me, hey, didn't you do ethics at the time? What do you know about AI ethics? And I say, huh, interesting that you might ask, didn't you go to the contract law class when I went to the ethics class? That's right. <laughs> so there is a lot of that currently going on. And yeah, yeah. I was interested in this um, more than a decade ago already when it was when AI was not really a thing, even though it was very much a thing. Right
0: right it just wasn't it wasn't so smack dab in our in our face like 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 uh, it is now uh, yeah. even though it was running just as so powerfully kind of behind the scenes it wasn't so like forward facing uh yeah yeah you're spot on yeah so so let me so I kind of interrupted there but you know I I like to I, I what I'm interested in before we get into some of the topics here is is, is, is twofold one why like kind of like you're you've already talked a little bit about kind of about your origin story or how you got into this but like like why are you so passionate about this what is it that man it's not that it's your calling i can't put those words in your mouth but like you speak very passionately about these topics you're you're very well educated like when i read your post, it always gives me food for thought even if i'm like not quite sure maybe what you're after like i feel like oh man i got to maybe do some more research to understand what she's saying but i know there's something important here so What, 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 how'd that kind of manifest in you? And then also like a part two to that is you you mentioned that you're a privacy, privacy officer. Maybe also explain a little bit what that is, um, because it's probably for a lot of people and this is why I'm excited to talk to you. Probably have no idea that that's even a job and let alone even what that job means.
1: Yeah. What a privacy officer is very, very quickly. So a privacy officer is responsible for implementing in certain companies um, compliance with privacy regulations worldwide. I'm a global privacy officer in a pharma company, which means that I co- that it comes simply with a lot of work on patient data. Um, we need to we have to obey many, many rules in that area, not just because, you know, because because of privacy, but because we're a pharmaceutical company where I work. I will not name the company because um, my sure. company, my employer has nothing to do with us. <laughs> But um, just to explain what I do, everybody um, can be a privacy officer working in different industries. Yeah, and we do not all have the same types of jobs, but we look at the same regulations. I also worked as a privacy officer in a bank, which means that customer data were, uh, you know, need, needed to be protected, obviously, and which is a bank's biggest asset. This is what people always tend to forget. So you may have heard about different privacy um, regulations or data protection regulations, such as GDPR. There are also many, many rules on, um, you know, when you surf the internet, basically, you probably notice that you have to um, click on cookie banners. <laughs> That's also something privacy officers do. So we are responsible for implementing the many, many rules around these uh, tracking methods. Um, I had a discussion today about the difference between privacy and data protection, and not everybody agrees, but mm-hmm. I would say overall that um one should never forget that um, the right to privacy is a very important piece of protecting our personal lives from intrusion, from intrusion from many different types of actors um, that comes in different forms and shapes, um, some visible, others absolutely not. And in the European Union, privacy is considered as a human right, or the right to privacy is considered as a human right, which it is not in the US. In the US, it is a consumer rights issue. And this is something that, and then you have all sorts of variations around the globe. And since I'm in a global position, I need to deal with all of these. And and it's a lot about, you know, it's about keeping data safe. It's about um, It's about making sure that we simply do the right thing, that we do not store data for too long, for example, that we do not use data for purposes that we, that the individuals have not given us consent to, for example, which is very important in a pharma company for research, for example. And um, yeah, it's just implementing the many, many rules. And this is um, directly tied to concerns around, you know, around your privacy, around people being tracked, which is one of my favorite topics, tracking online, tracking, um, So maybe we, I don't know, maybe we can can talk about that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I do. I definitely want to. And something that, that as you were just talking through that uh, resonated with me in my head, it got me thinking about, I've had this kind of conversation I don't know how many times, whether with my own parents, I know that I have actually said these words that I'm about to share. Friends, just in conversation, when you you talk about, uh, you know, I've got my phone here, and let's just say, like, I this actually just happened with my daughter. We were talking about something, like, a show she watched forever ago. We couldn't remember the name. We were describing it, and we were talking and literally the next day, like, the show popped up as a suggestion. Like, this idea of of, listening in, right? And so, that topic leads to to this statement here, uh, which I'm interested on, on your perspective of is we go, well, I don't really care. I have nothing to hide. So what if are <laughs> tracking classic. me, right? right. Like, like, come look into my life. My life is so boring. Something along those lines that so many of us have been guilty of saying or thinking or agreeing with, but that is so not the right mindset. And I know better. And I think most of us do, but we also kind of have like, I don't know. We We don't know what we don't know in terms of like, how to even manifest the idea of privacy or data protection. So if, if we were to say that, or I'm saying it now to you, um, I'm sure it probably gives you shivers up and down your spine. What are some things that like people should be not saying that, but what should we be, be thinking about as instead of that?
1: So I, I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) Of course you have maybe not, not nothing criminal to hide, but I can give you a few example if that you can use to contradict people when they come up with these arguments. So um, when we go to the bathroom, most likely we are not doing anything illegal. Do we want everybody to watch us? No. Mm. So there you go. Everybody <laughs> likes their privacy to some extent. That's true. It's super, super simple. And that makes sense. It's,
0: kind of, yeah, that kind of, yeah. it's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Doesn't it make sense, right? And um, what happens with online tracking, what you just mentioned, it's basically someone sitting in your house and looking over your shoulder, no matter what you do. Mm. If you have an Alexa in your house, that thing will listen to everything that you say. will probably send it to some, some Amazon server somewhere. And I personally do not want that in my life. I don't want it. I don't need it. And it's not about having something to hide. It's about privacy. This is what it's mm-hmm. about. It's about my right to do whatever I want and not being watched while doing it in my own house. Doesn't mean I'm doing anything illegal doesn't mean I have anything to hide. It just means I don't want everyone to, I don't know, to um, find out that, it's just an example, I'm not, but you know, look, if I was interested in fan fiction of a specific show that everybody finds super dumb, but it's my thing. It's not criminal, but I just don't want everyone to know. Sure. Something like yeah. that. What? Yeah. How, how? I mean, how can you argue with that? I really would like to hear what people can say. Yes. Everybody needs to know, and yeah. everybody does need to see you while you take a shower. No, yeah. It don't.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that right there is a a, a perfect um, way of framing it to, for people to think because I think there's that right that idea. Of it's almost it's almost kind of out of sight, out of mind, or invisible. Or I was just reading, you know, even at the time of this recording, how how Amazon's kind of rethinking the uh, the contract with like like all the Roombas because of, of the data protection or violation however you want to read that and i remember like when i teach computer science and do pd with with districts and 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 professionals anyways talking about the idea of data and how like (laughs) yes it maybe it's cleaning up dirt off your floor but it's also getting the dimensions of your floor and magically you're going to start seeing advertisements in amazon that fit perfect lifestyle because yes. just seem to know weird got like it. like you like do you, do you want that and it's you know and some people get alarmed and some don't and so it's just it, it it kind of segues into i, w- I just watched your your web i'm going to link this in the show notes for your i'll call it a webinar it was a conversation yeah. on, on trust yeah. and, and you guys were referencing many great things we don't have to break the whole thing down people just need to watch it but the term that maybe resonates here is that kind of like that o- o- opacity creep right like we we also there're things happening that we don't know that maybe we should be aware of to even realize that maybe you know uh we don't even know if that stuff's even being tracked
1: <laughs> yeah which is why we created so um what you mentioned is uh is a webinar organized by trust uh, 3.0 which is uh, a, a privacy advisor adv- sorry advocacy group a privacy advocacy group that I'm advising um i had the idea a few months ago um to create a um concept the concept of the champion of digital trust Because I've noticed that there are a lot of people out there who talk and there are not many people out there who really know What they're talking about. I guess there are some of course uh, Maybe I should not say that but let's put it this way. There are some people. I trust more than others mm-hmm. They can be experts in privacy law, which is my area of work. They can be experts in digital trust which comes in many forms and shapes again and um we wanted to make sure that people know whom they can trust trust online in the digital world is a huge issue um it didn't start just with the uh, with the deep fakes it started a long time ago with the Cambridge Analytica scandal um and even before that probably I um was listening for to a um to an audio book about the British royal the belief that a judge had probably more than a decade ago that ah. Uh, if it's on the internet it's very unlikely that people would believe what is on the internet that must have the statement must have been made about 15 years ago yeah mm. um today the author of this book said it this seems just like cruel irony yeah because the internet today is one of our main sources of information and therefore we should ideally be able to trust it but i do not know how many people currently really trust whatever they read on the internet um what can we trust what sources are there that we can that we can uh, you know um, that we can rely upon? There aren't that many, in my opinion. There are many many sources we certainly should, should not be trusting, and we also need to keep a critical mind. That's why Trust 3.0 was created, and um, yeah. And in our webinar, we simply talked about the current issues that we are seeing, and I do think it's very important that people listen to it because we talked about um, about targeted advertising, about AI, also a little bit, but trust online. Is, has not been challenged only since yesterday when Taylor Swift's um, deepfakes showed up, mm-hmm. yeah? This right. was not, this happened a long time ago because, um, you know, I think that the the internet created many, many of the issues that we are currently seeing. And when people talk, it seems all of a sudden to be much better than when we just communicate through comments on the internet. And this is right. also something that we maybe want to th- be thinking about. What kind of interactions do we have with each other because interactions, human interactions, I would hope, about, are about trust as well. I talk to you because I trust you. We discuss because we have a certain trusted relationship. Um, so and finding those people, those experts who can guide you through today's digital challenges, I think, is very important. That's why we have the champions of digital trust. And I can uh, maybe we can link that somehow. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So that's 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 what what we are about at Trust, and I do think it's important for everyone to support this kind of organization because um, there aren't that many around. Some organizations do a great job, but uh, um, yeah, some yeah. and others take money from the big tech companies. <laughs> right, but, yeah. right,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, you talk about and then the idea of bias and that, right? Once you, I mean, you never know. Well, you not I should say never, but you know, we can find lots of information, but what's the real source of how that information is coming to be. And it it reminds me of, of of two things that you posted on on LinkedIn uh, that I had, had earmarked for this show. And one of those, just thinking about that idea of the the tracking and the algorithms and following, and I'll put a link also in the show notes, but you had, uh, I I laughed out loud. You were, I think kind of tinkering or or messing around with LinkedIn's algorithm and I won't read the whole post, but basically you had a lot of blah, 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 blahs. And then yeah. certain little keywords kind of mixed in. And the whole yeah. idea was just, you you were kind of messing with the algorithm to see what would happen. You know, there is a ton of comments on there. I'm curious, you know, as you did that, did did you see any, any ramifications from it? Because I think it speaks to kind of this bigger ecosystem that we're talking yeah. about, right? Where I talk about yeah. my my daughter talking about this show we couldn't remember the name of, and it magically shows up on one of her, you know, apps on our phone literally today um this stuff happens time and time again and you did that with some you know words ai open ai Elon Musk, keywords like that so what came with that because i think that's also a perfect another example of that kind of eyes over our shoulders so to speak
1: yes exactly so um i mean the, the linkedin algorithms are notorious for being absolutely terrible linkedin uh fired many of their content uh Contributors, I believe, last year. Now they need to come up with new solutions. And um, I have nothing against the platform per se, but I would like to not having uh, to see these uh, collaborative articles. For example, I have the impression that LinkedIn is supposed to help people find jobs, and I'm not convinced that they're doing such a great job. I just did by you know um, some some keyword searches that it gives you terrible suggestions. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to see, hmm, is the algorithm really that bad? And actually, people loved the whole you know, my, my post went kind of viral. I was embarrassed because it was a crap post. It was, it didn't add any kind of value to anything. There was nothing in the post, except as you said, blah, 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 certain keywords, Davos, Sam Altman. I think um, Godfather of AI is a good one because there seem to be many of those around everybody, everybody is a godfather of AI. yes. Um, There is no godmother, but a lot of godfathers. (laughs) Um, Isn't that strange? Shocking,
0: isn't it? Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) it's not surprising. Um, And uh, yeah, that post got a lot of views. And at the end, I kind of apologized to people. I said, "I'm sorry," but that many, many people came to the conclusion that one, LinkedIn does not have good, you know, content quality moderation of some kind. I, the algorithms do not select quality content. I've seen a lot of shadow banning. Um, which I find very concerning. Mm. I had um, the same day posted something that I believed was important. It was about um, generative AI being used for military applications. Mm. Now, no matter what you think about the military or this is not what this was about, but it is an important information, I believe, to the public that certain technologies are being used in the military. Right. Because the technology itself, you know, there has been a, quite a bit of debate whether, you know, um, certain, you know, for example, generative AI are really, is really that safe, and, and should it really be trusted? This comes down to trust again. So I thought that that was important, an important post, and that post got maybe 1,400 views, or I guess they don't call them views, they call them impressions, whereas the um, blah, blah, blah post got, um, I think, more than 60,000, probably. So what the hell? Right.
0: Right. Well, I think it. I think it called out to a lot of people. You know that use that space, whether that's for good, for bad, for jobs or learning. I, I find it interesting. I don't know how it happened in my personal life. I went from having a LinkedIn, never going to it, never using it, never really kind of doing much with it. But I had it. Like I was always kind of told mm-hmm. I needed it for jobs, and I spent a lot of time on other platforms. And maybe it's just the way of of events of how things unfold on other platforms. But now I find myself living and breathing more in LinkedIn than any other platform. And yeah. I don't really know how that shift happened uh, when it happened, but it's been a, been a fascinating transition for me. Like as I start to like process through stuff, I'm like, man, I'm, like I'm living and breathing on this place. And you know, two years ago, I maybe spent 20 minutes on it total in a year. I just knew I kind of maybe needed to have it. And so it's been a, a fascinating shift, I think, in, in, in usage for a lot of folks as well. But you can kind of get caught into a, a vacuum portal of, like anything, right, of people that all think the same way. Uh, Do you know
1: what I think about that? <laughs> I think that LinkedIn is actually a great platform to connect with people. I've met many friends on LinkedIn. I've yeah. really had great discussions. But this is the thing. It's about the people. Notice yeah. here people it's not about the algorithms none of the i really have to say that none of the linkedin functionalities that linkedin is currently pushing is keeping me on that platform right what is keeping me there are the people people like you people like you know all of all of the people i interact with on a regular basis so it's about the people and i think linkedin should really like many many other platforms put people back in the center yeah this is also um you know um you mentioned the the I'm sorry, maybe yes, you yes, really yes. Talk to that, yes. Maybe we can just jump to that because let's do it. Yeah, because um, Cory Doctorow, who um, came up with this concept, um, said that um, you know he talked about platform decay, about the platforms. You know, at the beginning they were great, and then they're getting getting substantially worse. And he talks about restoring power to the users. And I think that this is also an element that should be contributing to trust on a platform. Mm. If I know that there are valuable people on this platform. I will be willing to engage with it. But LinkedIn is currently really, really, really not building that trust. I hate those collaborative articles. I think, I don't know if you saw it, but I did. (laughs) Indeed, I like to mess around with the algorithms a little bit and just see what happens. Right. And, um, you know, I just added some, it was actually not random. I on purpose added in there because many of the articles, first of all, the contributions are awful. Um, I'm even wondering if they're maybe written by bots. Some of them, either they are really not experts or just really bad yeah Um, i'm not saying all of them but um many of them are honestly i added a random comment that said well i'm not going to work on for free for you microsoft because this is all of course microsoft which i have no problem with per se right i do think that that you know after firing all of the content uh um producers um you know, I I don't think I should be replacing them with volunteering my time mm-hmm. for a big tech platform, which again I have nothing against per se. But um, if I make valuable contributions, I should be paid. So this is what I put in there. If they want my contribution, they should pay me for that. Of course, this comment did not add anything to, or I you know I have done this now several times in several right. calls to you know, where I should um, contribute my expert knowledge, right? Because I was selected as an expert. Oh my God, I'm so flattered. (laughs) Um, You know, and then um, these came back to me as like top contributions in my own feed. And I said, what? Where is the the moderation? Where's the quality check on all of this? Because there apparently is none. And I've asked recently what comes, what, you know, what becomes of these articles? Nobody was able to answer the question. So it, I find it a little bit concerning, and this again, this does not build trust, in my opinion.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, not no trust in the platform, and this is, uh, you know, I think the concept of platform decay is a very, very pertinent one here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. it's it's as you say that, and you're talking through that. It, it's so spot on, and, um, and it's so unfortunate at the same time because I feel that I have found so much value in terms of, like, learning on LinkedIn, not necessarily of, like, all the things that are, like, articles, and like you said, the, the contribution article, I don't think I've ever read a single one of those, but don't. the backup, but no, no, <laughs> yeah, right, but, but that back and forth dialogue with people, like, I feel like it is, it, there is a space where you can actually share an idea that might oppose or go against, or may not be like, "Oh my God, I love everything about this, and mm-hmm. people will respond back and forth to with conversation, and I feel like those spaces are harder and harder to find mm-hmm. um, where it's an all or nothing, and more people are just w- wanting to share for the sake of sharing, and they' yeah. not they have zero interest in listening. I'm not saying that there isn't your own little kind of local filter bubbles that develop over time because I know that happens, but yeah, I know like. I've seen your post. I've seen lots of other people's posts. There's a a guy I really like in the education space that's completely against AI, Gary Steger. Uh, He's always pushing the buttons, which it's so great to see though, like it it, it provokes thinking and perspective shifting and better understanding. And um, yeah, but it comes back to that, that, that human piece that, like you said, humans in the center, which I think is, is, is what's so vital to all this.
1: Yes. And I think that the platforms actually are not valuing the users enough um because they don't seem to realize that it's about the users and also these platforms are getting so many of my data. So yeah. I think it's really insulting that they ask me in addition to contribute to their stupid articles because I'm already giving them all of my data, which by the way they use and I've posted about this as well, they use to make wrong deductions about me. I here will encourage everybody who is on LinkedIn to request the, the data that LinkedIn has about them. Yeah. I can only encourage everyone to do that. You will be shocked. Some things may be kind of right. Yeah, if I constantly like every article written by Elon Musk or, or about Elon Musk, kind of praising Elon Musk, yeah, it's likely that I like Elon Musk. Yeah, it's not difficult uh, deduction to make. But other things are a little bit more complex and I would like to believe that we are all more complex than just data points. For data brokers, yes, are the issue Yes,
0: mm-hmm. you, yeah, you guys, you guys discussed that again in that. I'll reference that 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 webinar that you guys put together, yes. and you talked about that. And I, I downloaded my, I requested, I clicked everything, so I haven't received my my link yet. But yep. uh, I can't remember the gentleman I was talking about. Some of the the words that were using to describe him that were like way off, you know, based on the data. And I was just like, oh man, what did, how did, wonder how they have me categorized. So I did request it, and I'm I'm really. Intrigued. I was going to say excited. I may, may not be excited when I see it, but uh, intrigued to see. Uh, it must be a lot of data because it's it's, it's taken some time. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and and it's mostly it's mostly wrong deductions. Which you know, when you see some of the feed that is being pushed towards you. Um, and by the way, of course, um, when we talk about dialogue and trust, we cannot just be engaging with people with whom we hundred percent agree. Which is why the the algorithms, in my opinion, are flawed in the sense that. They are not fostering dialogue. They are fostering um, dialogue between, I guess, yes, but dialogue between people who already agree. And how can we advance as a society with, that is so um, you know, split into several camps, I have to say, how can we advance as a society when everybody just sees the stuff that they are agreeing with and interested in, especially mm. in elec- in an election year. And it's not just in the U.S. there will be, more than 60 elections around the globe i believe i don't know if this number is correct but i believe it's something along those lines in many other countries um and this you know the confirmation bias is something that worries me a lot because i cannot just be talking to people 100 agreeing with me because i will never make any progress i will never be confronted with maybe opinions that i should be thinking about um and this willingness to just accept that I may be wrong and the other person may be right, which is by the way what a dialogue is about. There is no dialogue if you can just if you can't admit for even a second that the other person may be right, not because you know, because um they are smarter or anything, just because you know we can all make mistakes and we can all be wrong. Yeah. And this is very important. And they're the algorithms that push only content to you that you know already about or are kind of interested in. How will you ever get to broaden your mind? I find yeah. that concerning. I like to broaden my mind and, you know, talk I like talking to people with whom I profoundly disagree. It's <laughs> yeah. fun.
0: Yeah. I had a it was it was just uh yesterday I was recording a podcast with someone who's who's in the comic book industry as an as editor and critic. Ooh. And um, she has helped. She's over in the UK and she's helped on a couple, two book projects where we published comic books on uh, Holocaust survivors. And long story <laughs> short, what I, what I loved about having conversations with her and it's taken me forever to get her to jump on the podcast is she will challenge me in in such wonderful, elegant ways and, even like yesterday I was, I was telling someone, I was like, I, had, I got the chance to, to speak with Claire. And I was like, she's like, how'd it go? I was like, awesome. Like my second question, she told me the question was stupid. And they're like, what? I was like, it was great. Like, cause it, yeah. it really, it really was a bad question, but it wasn't like a, a personal dig. It was a misunder like a, a challenge to how I was seeing and framing the thought process behind what, what we were talking about. And I'm like, this is what, we, this is why I'm, this is why I like conversation. This is, this is what mm-hmm. I want. I don't want, every guest to be like, yes, yes, yes. Like, that's not like, I I don't want confrontation all the time either, but this idea where we can push and pull to, to, to gain better understanding. And, you know, as you were talking, it it, it resonates back to like when I first connected with you on LinkedIn, it was, it was through a, a mutual contact, Laura Miller, who was doing a lot of stuff on ethics and you and I started to have back and forth discussion on at that time. It's, Still a hot topic, but like anything, it moves on. Of, of book banning in the state where I live in, in mm-hmm. Iowa, and we got into a, just some wonderful dialogue on information, misinformation, disinformation, and it, as you were talking, that whole piece of of having conversation, being aware of the algorithms. But I also feel like the algorithms are also impacting our day to day lives. We're like <laughs> the algorithms of, of of the of the platforms. We're also doing that to ourselves, where we're like pruning access to materials as like in intangible like paper format. And it's just crazy to me how we're like every, like, like I feel like everyone's trying to force everybody to like think the same way, like all be the same widgets. And again, like you said, like how do we get better if we don't have the opportunity to see things differently?
1: Um, well, I do think that, as I said, the algorithms are not helping people actually. And this is something everybody needs to understand that, uh, that, that, since the algorithms are there to um, do a specific thing. So the purpose seems to be to have people engage more and more. That's one of the first purposes of the platform, so they can push advertisements, et cetera. But um, yeah, I really find it concerning that uh, one of the purposes seems to be to push more and more content that you already know about. And um, yeah, Um, so I really hope that some of my privacy content reached people who were not that interested. I get sometimes nasty comments, I have to say,
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Also in my inbox, uh, what are you talking about? Stupid, um, dot, dot, dot. And I don't know what. I mean, this happens to many people. Um, and, um, well, well, thank you. I I actually, those are the people I would like to talk to, but they, for some reason, don't want to talk to me. So (laughs) they're bad, I guess. So, um, but, but, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to have these debates and, um, yeah, I think this is something we need to think about. Are these platforms with their stupid algorithms actually really doing us a service? Um, mm-hmm. People talk about, you know, all of these technologies making our lives easier. But do they really? And do they really not come with any negative externalities mm-hmm. that uh, people who developed them did not consider? I'll give you one example. Um, if I, I do not use Alexa and Alexa will not come in my house, it's over my dead body. Everybody <laughs> This and luckily nobody in my family wants one. But if, you know, if Alexa keeps selecting constantly my, um, you know, um, the same laundry detergent, or then how can I ever broaden my mind and and see new things, yeah? Mm. If I'm in this, you know, algorithmic limitation, um, you know, um, path all the time, I think this is actually a good word, algorithmic limitation path. I just made that up. <laughs> um, which severely limits... Any possibility for me to grow, evolve, maybe do something else or buy another product? How is that that is supposedly making my life easier, but is it really making my life better? Mm. I'm not so sure about that. And I've not seen many debates around this. It's a lot about convenience, but that comes to what price? I think we need to also think about that a little bit because we trust all of these technologies implicitly. We believe that they will not harm us. I think that remains to be proven that all of this does not harm us. I think we know by now that social media are not so great for teenage girls, for example.
0: Yes.
1: So, you know, um, Mark Zuckerberg, I just actually watched the video of him apologizing to the parents who have lost children because of, well, whatever happened on social media, which of course nobody could have ever predicted. No, nobody no. could. Have, right? um, yeah. I think there a lot went wrong there. So we maybe need to, whenever a new technology is being rolled out, Think about what the potential negative side effects will be. I work in the pharma industry for drugs. We have to do this. Why do we not have this for technology? Why do we not have to think about the negative side side effects?
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's something that we, I've talked about time and time again in the like the workshops I do in schools. Is like we mm. we need to be proactive. And I'm I should back up. I'm I'm thinking of like AI workshops. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been lots of just like fear and panic and not sure what it is about the idea of like how do we need to be proactive and starting to understand it so we even know what questions to ask before we even start thinking about whatever tool might save us minutes or, you know, this little tool is a shiny little object that can do this and while that might be great, like what's the bigger implications that we're, we're not considering? And I always bring up social media is a perfect thing of, it just got launched into the world without any guardrails, and mm-hmm. yes, we're all addicted to it. But there's been there's now so much evidence of some of the the harm that that came of that. Like we have to do the same kind of thing with with, with AI. Like we're not just here yeah. to push it out to push it out. But even though that feels like you're falling behind, if you're not, because it's like every day there's there's something new. There's this. There's that. There's the other. And so it, it gets so back to. You know, actually, just another piece that you that you spoke to, which which resonates so much with what you've been sharing, uh, where you talked about, and I think it's it's really the heart of the matter. What you what we've been talking all night here is, you know, you you've posted up again, put a link in the show notes about what if we start making humans better instead of trying to build the ultimate, you know, kind of slash intelligent machine, you know, not by biohacking and transhumanism, but you know, and you said, but wait for it. Education. Yes. I think it goes back to the comments I talked about earlier, like, "Oh, let them see whatever. I've got nothing to hide." Like that's education. We need to educate ourselves. We're talking about school. Yep. We're talking about all these things. It's it's so important. Uh, and so it's. I think that's something that keeps resonating with me. Of you know, tech isn't neither good or bad. It's the humans behind it. At least that's my my current and... state of mind. You know. <laughs> and and I, I know you might have a. That's why I'm bringing it up. I, you're you're gonna have a different take on that. But I think there's like. If we can get more people to understand the mechanisms behind stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know. So we'll I try I, to be optimistic. <laughs> so
1: I, I just, I just have to talk a little bit about. that. Yes, go for it. So, um, I was trained in ethics, and um, one of my biggest areas of interest was technology ethics. Okay, um, there is a. I would say not a forgotten, but not so, so well-known philosopher, Hans Jonas, a German philosopher who wrote, um, who emigrated to the US and who wrote about the responsibility of developing technologies. He talks about it in the sense that, that we need to be responsible and consider the implications on, wait for it, future generations. Mm-hmm. So when you develop a technology, then you, need, you always need to consider the impact it may have on people who may not even have been born yet and i find this reflection very beautiful it's today sure you know and resonates with me more than ever every every day when we talk about new ai hype heights the new developments uh, in the ai space um I, i believe there is a lot of hype um but then a lot of people are still very convinced by it. And as I said, I would like to talk to those people and understand why they find all of this so great. I worked in a bank. I did a lot of risk management. And this is why I think about things in terms of risks. I have an ethics background, which is why I have to think about potential ethical implications. And I can tell you that um, uh, many engineers are currently not trained to see all that. They are trained to develop cool technology. I'm totally on board with cool technology, but I think we forget about potential consequences. This is where, you know, actually philosophers, yes, we need to read them again. We also should not shun all of the sociologists who keep warning us about negative effects of certain things. We should maybe listen to those people and um, whenever technology is being developed, yes, we should consider the impact and effect it will have on future generations, people who may not even have been born yet this is very very important it's not just about us today it's a technology that will be further developed because this is what happens to technology my iPhone has more computing power than uh, the the rockets that send people to the moon right this is a fact so <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. It, it, We always tend to forget that uh, yeah and, and so just just when you said technology is what we make of it I mean some technology is really evil I would say right. that Certain types of, you know, surveillance technologies should not, or certain types of other technologies should not exist. Mm. Um, when I see, for example, all of the, and I encourage people to read more about this about mental privacy, like reading your mind, yes. um, your brain waves, and basically putting a device on your head and figuring out what you were thinking about. Now they hyped it up a little bit, but it's going in a direction where it can potentially become dangerous. Again, you may have nothing to hide. Do I want to be constantly tested and? If you have seen Minority Report, what happened to Tom Cruise when he was walking around, he saw all of this the the, the technology recognized him and yeah. spit out ads and showed him ads based on his preferences, etc. Do we really want that? It may not be bad, but I just don't want that.
0: Right, right. No, you're right. It, it, it reminds me, too. there's a I don't know if you if you watched Black Mirror or not, but there was a, an episode, I don't know what season it was, where it was... It didn't, I it called didn't, it, it a docu-series.
1: It, it, it didn't end very
0: well yes it did not end well for the people no. in that particular well there's probably two of them that both have kind of a, a microchip in the brain one where they could kind of rewind and watch ah. every memory and then there was the other one where you yeah kind of had you got points like your happiness meters and you could see different things and yep. yeah I, I don't like that and I, it, it, as you say that it brings me up i, I try to talk to people like what that like I don't know if it is a fine line. Um, I'm kind of got to like rethink my how maybe I articulate that. But I talk about the the ease of simplicity of things, and then like where where do we draw the line? And I talk about phones again, like the iPhone, how it scans my face to unlock it. Like that's simple. I don't have to like touch my touch screen to do that. But it's scanning my face, and Apple's now got I don't know how many different scans of what I look like and how I look like. At, at what point, like no one here thinks that's a big deal but would we want all that information fed to the government as a, you know, they drive by on the surveillance cameras that are looking for speeding speedsters on the road or whatever it might be like all of a sudden, like, Oh no, I don't like that. Okay. But we've given, we've given those rights away already. Um, you know, if Apple really wanted to, we uh, like, do we stop that? Do we have the manpower? Would we like, those are the things that are, it's just crazy to me. Like, um, as we think about trying to get people to think about the idea of data and, and what you yeah. kind of you're alluding to.
1: So what um, a very important piece in my job is um, biometric data. So okay. uh, whatever that can, whatever data that are being used specifically to identify you, for example, your voice, we're being recorded now. And it would be very difficult for me now to pull all of the recordings that have been made of my voice from the Internet. It would be, basically be impossible. Right. And, um, this is of course concerning because, um, many scams are using people's voices. I do think that people basically can't trust the voice of a loved one on, on the phone anymore because it will be, if this person has ever made a recording online, I think they need now 30 seconds, then you can basically use it for a deep fake and have the voice saying anything and the scams are already out there. Right. So you mentioned that you do education work, which, by the way, I think is incredibly important. And I think what we need to ask people who are being educated about all of these issues is how do you think any given technology can be misused? For what Mm. purposes? Because the cool, shiny, useful use case that is being presented to us to sell the technology. Yeah, that's marketing. But for example, um, what you mentioned, your face. Well, what happens if uh, Apple suffers a... You know a big um, data breach i'm not sure how the um facial scans are being stored
0: yeah i don't either
1: but, yeah. uh, but i can tell you one thing you will never get your face back no and you your face so <laughs> no, <right. laughs> so let's just let's just think that's let's, let's just let that think sink in right so yeah also my fingerprints if someone uh, you know a database that has my fingerprints if someone steals that steals that well will i get will i be able to i can't change a credit card number but my fingerprints even though i heard there are techniques for that i could just burn my fi- my fingertips off or something but
0: yeah I, no I'm thanks no that. thanks <laughs>
1: yeah. exactly so so you know whenever these uh whenever um we're using this cool tech well scanning your face meaning the scan is somewhere um i'm not sure where maybe it's just on your phone but i actually don't know that but um for other types of Data, it can be a social security number. Yeah, cool. It's in a database somewhere with a provider. That's very nice, but you know, the, it's in a cloud somewhere. Yeah. You
0: know,
1: but that can be hacked. So right. yeah. <laughs> is it, it safe? No, it's not. So no,
0: no. Yeah. I, I spent a year and a half doing um, grand jury duty. And oh. the amount of cases where uh, people eventually, in some shape or form, would get caught mm. was through their data on their phone. Okay. Through a platform like a Snapchat, which is supposed to like delete and not keep your data, which I know I know people know well, they should know that that's not true, but people still believe, kids still believe, it goes away in 24 hours, it's gone forever. It's not, uh, and all those platforms, and so that's eventually how they all get caught, and they pull up, and they get caught in a lie, which is just like at the end of the day, brilliant people maybe on the wrong side of the law uh, get caught with a data breach, you know, of these platforms that they think. The stuff isn't there, and it is, and so it's yeah. just you're you're so right to just what does that mean down the road i I was, even stuff of all the things I put into my phone if I'm exercising like do like you know that stuff uh, uh insurance company could get a hold of that and all of a sudden my rates could quadruple if they you know what I mean if they can get yeah, sure. help that on me or if I'm trying yeah. to get if as I get older and you know or whatever it might be like I'm not saying everything' is a crook, but like these are the things I think we do have to think about we and I'm really guilty of this. I plug in a lot of data into a lot of things without a whole lot of thought of.
1: I do think that today, <laughs> the, the, the true luxury, I think privacy will become more and more a luxury today. I'm amazed at, you know, how much celebrities fight for their own privacy and care very little for, you know, um, Joining this cause and fighting for this cause publicly, except when it's their own privacy. That is, I find that a little bit shocking. Mm. Um, I'm hoping now that with the whole Taylor Swift thing, people will, and celebrities will become a little bit more aware of these issues and maybe carry the the banner to change things. That's my hope there. Um, I'm sad that it took Taylor Swift after thousands and thousands of women have suffered the same fate, Um, but I guess it's better than nothing. Um, But when, when it comes to technology, I just think we need to be careful. And, um, yeah, and distrust the hype a little bit because there's a lot of hype out there and I'm not seeing, um, much, and I think people need to, need to know this. I'm not seeing much desire from the big tech companies. I, um, you know, they're called the magnificent seven, which I think is just, oh, why magnificent? <laughs> the term is way too positive. Um, right. and I'm seeing all of these layoffs, um, of, uh, you know, where, um, the big tech companies reduce all of their safety and trust teams fired, fired their ethics teams, Um, try to outsource some of the stuff. Is it useful? Probably not. I find that a very, very concerning development because these uh, platforms, we trust them with a lot of information. Now, I don't know if we really trust trust them, but we give them a lot of information. Um, And then there is a lot of um, activity happening there. So again, the hearings before the Senate, um, what's going on there is that leading to more trust. By the way, the hearings will not, you know, I was wondering what 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 was the point, except for some politicians to show that you know showcase their interest in something, and then I'm guessing nothing will happen, but we will see
0: right. I'm still
1: hopeful, and I think that well people like you and me need to continue being loud and uh and educate uh people on consequences technology has consequences, and never forget the internet never forgets
0: it never forgets uh, yeah never. Forget the darn way back machine will get you every time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, then, yep. uh, I could
0: I could continue to poke and prod and 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 talk with you I just find You bring such a a great wealth of knowledge and perspective for so many of us that gives us things to think about that maybe are not always at the forefront, but it it gives us pause to consider those things and continue to figure out what are the questions we should be asking, um, you know, for ourselves or or for the uh, philosophy that you've referenced for future generations, for our our children or grandchildren or Uh whatever that might be that that's important to us. So I can't thank you enough. I want to be I do want to be respectful of your time here um and so i do want to wrap up i've been asking guests this season two kind of final questions and then i'll make sure we'll get a link for where people can follow your work and learn obviously hopefully by now they've already paused and and started reading the stuff on linkedin but um, one of the questions i've been asking people which has turned out to be so so wonderful is what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received
1: the best piece of advice i've ever received. i think when i was uh, when i was very new to my work, i didn't realize how bad it is actually to be online and therefore mm. i would say never forget that the internet never forgets. and i think this is a very good piece of advice for any kind of um for any person, but for any student who applies to college and maybe has some stupid stuff on their Instagram stories that is very publicly visible, even someone, even an adult who has some embarrassing pictures on their Facebook, for example, that may or may be may not be seen by people I've heard about um about people not being hired by an organization because they had not illegal but just you know things that a prospective employer did not like for whatever reason, so sure. we need to be mindful about what we put out there, and I think that this applies to everybody
0: yeah absolutely I think that's that's so important and uh, the perfect way to kind of wrap up the show here. The, the last thing I have is we've already done a lot of uh, maybe some rants and raves, but just as just outside of what we've been talking about, if you have something that you want to, uh uh, give some praise to maybe it's a, a book you've been reading maybe it's someone to follow maybe it's a tv show i've kind of heard it all just you know kind of just this, this human side that we've kind of talked about on the human side of, of of lydia when she's not thinking about privacy and trust and data you know what's something that uh just brings you joy that maybe could be be a be a spark for someone else
1: so i um i i'm a big reader uh i love i read a lot of um i read a lot of books about privacy. Um, I do think that there are some issues that are very, very, um, I actually have a book here that I think people should read. Um, it's called invisible women.
0: Um,
1: I'm not, I don't know the author. I have no, you know, vested interest in this or anything, but I think it's an eye opener about, um, you know, about data bias, as it says, data bias in a world designed for men, Mm -hmm. um, about research. It's, there is a lot of interesting stuff here and I would encourage everybody to read Harry Potter through a privacy lens. There are a lot of Ooh. privacy violations in Harry Potter. <laughs> believe it or not,
0: that gives me another reason to go back and read the series again. Uh, that yep. gives give me a, another way to look at at, at that world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Contact me if you find them. We'll we'll then chat again. Okay. That would
0: because be awesome. Really,
1: we should okay? do that.
0: We should do a Harry Potter uh, data privacy book club uh, conversation. That would be that would be awesome. Or
1: any book, you know, just. <laughs> Any book that you read about, you know, with the lens of potential privacy violations, whenever someone is being spied on or, um, you know, listened to when they shouldn't be listening to you, those are privacy violations.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Oh, and there's yeah. a lot of them.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm gonna have to pull out the, uh, the book set here and get dive yeah. back in. Uh, I haven't yeah. read them in a while, so it'd be good. Uh yeah. Lydia, if if people are are at a red light and they want to start following you, or when they get to their computer and and, and want to join in the learning uh, with all the things you've got going on, people know by now if they listen to the show, it'll all be in the show notes. Where are some of the best places uh, for people to find out? I mean, we've I know we've referenced LinkedIn here, and that's yeah. I I love seeing your stuff, so I know there's that, but if there's other places, I want to make sure you get a chance to, to share that as well.
1: It's most it's only LinkedIn. I'm not okay. on any other social platform by right. choice. <laughs>
0: Perfect. So yeah, so that's a one-stop shop and we'll do that. And then all the things we've talked about in the show, we will have linked in the show notes. I definitely encourage people to watch that webinar and, and, and follow along and, and that that group of people that trust are-
1: 3. Trust 3.0.
0: Trust 3.0 is yeah. really, really good. It was a great eye-opener for me, about, even learning about cookies, third-party cookies <laughs> and cookies no longer existing. And oh yeah. man, just all sorts of great stuff. So yeah. we we'll definitely get that in there. So Lydia, thank you so much. This has been so thank thought-provoking. You eye-widening eye and I uh, look forward to uh, you know being better about my data and privacy and, and uh, what's going on. So thank you for your time.
1: Thank you and keep up the good work with educating people. If you ever need me for an educational seminar or something, let me know. I'm very, very happy to spread the word and talk to people, even people who disagree with me.
0: Yes. That's, that's, what, that's where the best learning comes from. <laughs> thank you. Hey, hey, Chaos.
1: Woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning Chillin' with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs talking education all across the nation Pushing boundaries, thinking innovation
0: Chaos